This is how we're going to talk into this. Go ahead, say something. Hi, how are you doing? Good. That was probably the hardest tattoo I've ever seen. Well, if you're could, a shooter, you get that. That's could, the we, answer. Dumb. <laughs> Worst one yet. <laughs> Negative 700 points. <laughs> Took away all the hard work you did. What hard work? I'm just tight most of the time. Tight and sore. That's uh, what she said. Luca LeBron triple-double game. Really? Yeah, this was kind really? of a... This, no, seriously. I have a feeling that Kyle has this as his number 10 as well. No! So. No! Why, it's a fucking regular season game. Why no one scored 100 points. Fuck, it's the entire why, year. Why this triple-double game mattered is like... Is, oh, you're, you're something Is else. it really... Yeah. Seems like we're jumping all over the place. Oh, no, we're good. Believe it or not, it sounds good. The views and opinions of those who talk and appear on the AK Swish podcast are their own. Listener's discretion is advised. So here are we ago. of the AK Swish Podcast, Anchor App, Spotify, Apple, wherever you find your podcast. Thank you guys so much for quarantining with us and coming to you uh, pseudo-live. Again, recording the same day it's coming out, so pretty much all up to date as far as what's uh, happened so far in the world of sports. Glad to have you guys uh, here with us on this uh, on this Monday, uh, April 27th. Man, the year's going by quick already. Uh, and joining me via his... Uh, his home somewhere in uh, northwestern Ohio, I won't give out an uh, exact location, is uh, the co-host of the AK Swish podcast, Andrew Frederick. Andrew, man, thank you for uh, for hopping on and, and talking with me tonight, man. It's going to be fun. It's going to be a good time. Got the AirPod Pros cooking in the kitchen at the same time we're recording. So You seem to have this habit of yeah, like cooking when we're doing the show. I don't know like what if that's just kind of like your thing at this point now or... If you're going to start bringing I, you know, stuff. I cook or... all the time. I love cooking. It's not a problem, but most of the time I'm just, right now it's about dinner time, so you know, going to get your grub on. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, speaking of dinner time, some of these teams uh, ate in the NFL draft recap we're going to have for you guys. Uh, again, we know that Andrew has like 45 favorite teams, so we try to go through all those. Uh, I have one, and then, of course, we do the Browns as well. Uh, so we're going to basically, how this is going to work, guys, we're going to go down the list of uh, draftees, and one of these teams drafted a lot of freaking people, so it may take a minute, but we are going to kind of kind of give our reactions to these players that went to these certain places. Um, I, I want to start, Andrew, with Cleveland, just because everyone's been hyping them up. Now, no one said they've been the, the winner, quote-unquote, of the draft. I have that team, too, as a kind of a bonus one for us to go through. Uh, but a lot of people have said a lot of great things about the Browns' uh, draft class. So what I want to do first, kind of how we can kind of set this up, is go through each player, and then when we're done with their list, with their with the uh, players they've drafted, kind of give us an overall grade uh, for each team that we're going to go through at least uh, in this uh, this kind of draft recap. And we'll kind, of, we'll kind of give our reactions to each player as we go through. And like I said, when we're all said and done with uh, the players for that team, we'll give an overall grade. So let's let's start with a guy you predicted, I believe, to go there. 
uh, to the Browns in our last mock draft. Uh, Jedrick Wills Jr. from uh, Alabama, the offensive tackle, uh, goes to the Browns with that number 10 overall pick. Uh, give me your reaction to Wills, one falling this far. I thought maybe he'd go higher, uh, and two, the Browns snatching him up. Well, we'll talk about a player that I was really surprised about going so high and why Jedrick Wills probably fell as far as he did. Nonetheless, I mean, we were able to pick up a good guy who's going to be able to be solid right off the rip, and it's the same thing you've seen across the board is the Browns could have used a different guy with a different build, but he's the most polished. So getting a guy that's going to be able to come in right away and play is something that you need. And, I mean, if you take him at the 10 spot, you hope he's playing right away, right? Well, I mean, and people were always like, criticizing, oh, he's a right tackle, he's a right tackle. Well, look at the quarterback he was you know, blocking for. When he got you know, to a tag of Iloa behind you and he's a left-handed quarterback, he's still blocking the blind side. So for people that say this guy can't move, to the left tackle spot, it's kind of funny to me because though technically it is a technical different position, technically he's still blocking that side of the quarterback's protection. So you think maybe he translates a little bit better from right to left tackle than someone like Jack Conklin who's more of a right tackle, you know? Yeah, here's the deal with the offensive line position. It's become such a hybrid spot for most people. And when you start moving up in the world, even when I made my transition from lineman to fullback, you have to be able to play that whole offensive line. I play guard. I refuse to play center. I'm just not a fan of mine, so don't judge me there. But I couldn't play center, but I played guard or I played tackle. And you can fulfill that position anywhere because tackles are supposed to be a little bit more uh, of a lockdown kind of guy, keep you in keep you in position because you're going to get a lot of edge rushers and you have to make a lot of calls. Now, when you're playing guard nowadays, it's a lot of pull and it's a lot of movement from your guard. So, nonetheless, being able to move from right to left tackle, the only gap is this, is that I know for a fact that most people who play offensive line will play this, your left tackle is a guy who's really holding it down for that blind blocking like you are just talking about most of the time. So you need a guy that's going to be able to solidify that left side. It just happens to be that, you know, he had a quarterback that was left-handed. It really didn't make a difference for him. If he can protect the quarterback on the weekend, you know, it's going to, it's not going to matter. And I think you had him going uh, fourth maybe to the Giants. They, they took Andrew Thomas. Uh, who, again, when this all started, we would all we did our first round of mod drafts. Thomas was a top-ten guy, and it seemed like maybe some people were souring on him a little bit, Not, I mean, as far as you could. I mean, he was falling out of the top-ten in some mocks. Were you kind of surprised that Wills wasn't the first lineman off the board? Instead, it was Thomas going forward to the Giants? No, because I think, honestly, I might have had, it either was Wills or Thomas. I said that those two guys could be kind of whoever wants to go first can go first. Andrew Thomas is a better like look for the first pick because he just seems like poised, professional. He's a smart guy. He did really, really well in his combine. The, the only thing is, is like when you're playing Alabama versus Georgia, that's kind of how like how you have to look at it from that perspective. I'm taking the guy from Alabama. No offense, but then again, you also have to look at how Tua was handled. You know what I'm saying? Like he got injured a lot. Now was that partially Tua's fault? I believe so. I think being too mobile put him in a position to get hurt a lot more. That offensive line was so solid. We see a lot of guys off the board from Alabama, even counting their offensive line. So nonetheless, it was kind of like either one of those guys could go. I even thought Tristan Works could have been thrown in there, but his combine was a little bit sloppier than the other two. You know, the funny thing about all that was, too, people say, oh, well, Tua always got hurt or whatever. Like, yeah, Tua, more often than not, uh, got hurt uh, when he was outside of the pocket, when he was trying to make plays. Right. I mean, 900 snaps or whatever it was and one sack allowed from this guy on that side, that's pretty damn impressive. And when you got a team like that who's facing – the best competition you mentioned it's georgia and alabama it's two of the sec teams you know they're facing really good opponents i mean i think either one of them would have made sense and you kind of just took whoever was there at that point i mean they probably had both those guys ranked high and wills just fell to that point so you, you take that and you go with it um 
the next pick that the Browns had was in the second round, and they traded back uh, with one of your teams to, to get there. Um, I thought this guy was going in the first round. I, I think there's a huge, huge, huge upside for, for this safety that went there. Grant Delpit goes uh, 44th to the Browns uh, from LSU safety. Uh, I think I don't know if you I don't think you had him in the first round uh, in your in your last mock. People kind of had mixed feelings no, because of a down year. You were yeah, thinking about what yeah. Grant Delpit was tackling. Um, he's a great safety. He's got great size. Um, like you said, and there's a lot of people saying this, we were the first-round talent that ended up going in the second round. We saw a lot of guys that were the first-round talent that went in the second round. Oh, man, sometimes it was third. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, it, this, yeah. This, there's, a, there yeah. Was, there's a draft that we don't really get to see very often, and, again, that's why, like, some of the quarterback situation, like, we get, we'll talk about him down the road here in a second, but nonetheless, um, I, 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 Grant Delta was a great pickup. Can I say that he could have gone higher? Yes, but do I think he deserved to go higher than some of these guys? There's only a couple names on that list where I was like shocked that he went before, like a Grant Delphi did, or insert names that we'll be talking about later. But it, it, it was shocking to say the least. I will say that I was like, oh shit, Grant Delphi's available. You might as well just take him. I mean, just, yeah, the risks get richer. And, and like you said, the Browns. I mean, I'm looking at that draft board, and I, I see a lot of A's and B's. So so far, they've gotten from most places. I think they got a B for picking up. Uh, Wills, but then you also have you know, a lot of people getting like A plus across the board for picking up uh, Grant Delpit. You know this uh, this draft, and a lot of people, including myself, were a little bit hesitant when Andrew Barry got made the GM of this team. It makes me feel like he did not really have his hands on that first draft or the first couple ones he was here in Cleveland with. You know, with the you know the Sashi Browns and the Hugh Jacksons. It made me feel like this draft made me I, feel a lot more confident in Andrew Barry as a GM because these are competent, smart picks. Yeah, and I also gave you my answer to what I saw was the issue here. I don't think it was um, Andrew Barry. I told you right off rip, I think that Jimmy Haslam is finally in that position where he's like, I have to keep my hands off the thing so I don't get blamed anymore because I think he has his hands in a lot of people getting fired, his hands in a lot of people getting drafted. We know for a fact Johnny Manziel came here because of Jimmy Haslam. We found that out down the road. Mm-hmm. You see these things that are starting to line up, and maybe he took a step, a step back and Andrew Barry's looking confident. Stefanski, who was very comfortable in his mansion, that was crazy. But um, <laughs> nonetheless, uh, nonetheless, you got you got guys out here that are going to get you're going to get a lot of talent out of this round draft class that will continue to go down. Yes, I mean we can kind of work through the list now. A couple other names that uh, there's one last name I want to get into more in depth, but some other guys that came through: Jordan Alley had a defensive lineman out of Missouri, Jacob Phillips, a linebacker from LSU. Uh, a lot of SEC work in, in this group right now for Cleveland. They went out of there for Harrison Bryan, the tight end out of Florida Atlantic. A lot of people high on this kid. Uh, had a pretty damn good year out of uh, FAU, so he's a he's a big possibility to maybe seat an uh, unseat in Joku, who did just get his contract uh, picked up for his fifth year option today. So that's uh, that's kind of a hit or miss thing. We'll see how that works out. That could be a camp battle that'd be worth watching. And uh, yeah, people are re- like really surprised by the Harrison Bryan pickup. A lot of people ask me personally, they're like, why did they do this? And like you mean, you've talked about it three or four times now on these podcasts where we've said you, you can't rely on David Njoku yet. He showed signs of brilliance but inconsistency. And now with injury and inconsistency, you're looking at a guy where you understand why the Cooper is picked up. And then you're looking at why maybe Harrison Bryant might be picked up as a secondary person because we know what's coming up to Kansas' offense. He loves running double tight end back. It's going to be something he's got to be used to, especially if you have someone like Austin Cooper who can slide over to maybe that slot position to run some run some small players and stuff like that, but it, it kind of made sense to them. And, and I know this one shocked a lot of people, but the kid's decent, so we'll see what happens. Like you said, if Njoku shows out, 
he shows out. We got another guy for the. He was uh, Harrison Bryant. Harrison Bryant, I think, was either one of the finalists or won the tight end award in college. So like he he has that that pedigree of being consistent and putting out big games, and I think that's a plus. One guy that we kind of before I get into the last pick for the Browns that I really want to get into. By the way, Nick Harris, a center out of Washington, good backup that can kind of filter in and work. Uh, in that Browns offensive line is a rotational piece. But uh, Jacob Phillips, the linebacker out of LSU, um, uh, really good run-stopping linebacker, kind of a great complement to somebody like a Mac Wilson who's really good in pass coverage. I think the Browns kind of, man, I hate to say it, but it almost looks like they, look like they know what they're doing a little bit with, with this draft as far as like getting guys that make sense for what they're trying to do. A guy like Delpit who can make big plays, and if he can figure out how to wrap correctly, he could be honestly one of the best safeties in the league when it comes down to it because physically he's a freak. You know, we know about Will's right. a sure thing at a tackle spot who's going to be probably at some point a pro bowler. Him and Thomas both will be up there. I'd imagine a couple linemen from this class, if not maybe five or six, could be you know future pro bowlers hands down. And then uh, they talked about Phillips, and then the last guy, a guy that I didn't really think about until I saw him drafted, and I'm like, oh, yeah, Donovan Peoples-Jones, a wide receiver out of Michigan. Again, great size, great speed, lacked the kind of production because, again, Michigan's one of those weird situations where you can't really tell if they're a pass or run first team. Yeah, it's, it's a really confusing offense, Harbaugh's running up there because you're not sure who it's supposed to really highlight because the running backs have been decent but haven't really been featured as much, and the receivers are kind of... The quarterback situation's been the exact same. Yeah. Their offense is terrible up it's there. Been, it's been rough. I'm not even going to give a chance to tell anybody that, yeah. that he's even a decent head coach right now. He's got to figure, and he's got to be on the hot seat. Well, he's, he's losing to Ohio State in the Midwest. You're not, you're not out recruiting someone like Ohio State or even Wisconsin at that point, so he's kind of third fiddle in most situations unless the kid you know has some sort of Michigan background, but... Peoples-Jones, man, I mean, as far as a third receiver, if this really is it for Hollywood Higgins, I mean, Donovan Peoples-Jones looks pretty damn competent and as a deep threat and as a guy that can make some plays for this Browns team moving forward. is, is he, For a sixth-round pick for this guy, I mean, that looked pretty damn good. Yeah, Donovan Peoples-Jones is supposed to be a little bit more productive. He's going to be like mid, mid-round mid pick. They're looking more towards, like, I think they said like third to fifth. I mean, he fell one outside of where he was supposed to be. I heard even rumors in the beginning of the preseason, uh, preview that he could, he could be a second or late first round pick. But again, it, you're looking at you're looking at a really shitty Michigan team. So really, he's going to be coming in here almost like the Grill Peppers did, where you're going to have to show us something before you even get the chance for just picking you off a potential and what talent you have. Yeah, and again, you know, it's it's one of those things where this is a guy that is not going to have to come in and be the number two guy right away. You know, you've got two guys set in stone and Jarvis and Odell that are are the, the, the pillars of that offense, at least in the receiving core. So for someone like Peoples-Jones, this is a great opportunity to learn and kind of shut your mouth and just try and, you know, earn a spot and try and push Higgins out if you can to be that third guy, the slot guy, and maybe work your way to the outside. So that way, honestly, what, he's 6'2", 200, and I think 20 pounds. That's a great size for a receiver on the outside. If you want to throw Jarvis in the slot, if you want to try and throw Odell, a little bit in the slot to have him work that middle of the field and use that speed to get across. I mean, this kind of gives them new options, and Higgins had that ability but kind of was mismanaged a lot over the past year. So it's going to be kind of dependent. And if you can keep both of them, man, that's that's a good receiving core when you got that kind of group that's clicking on all cylinders. And, of course, the chemistry with Baker is going to be key, especially for this season to see how it all works out. But nevertheless, so that, that's true. with Baker may not matter, you know. Well, again, we'll see. We know what Case, Case Keenum's there. That's that's kind of a good push for, for Baker, too, because now there is a quarterback who's competent, who has a three-year deal. He's not a Drew Stanton or, you know, he's not just a, just a guy just to take a clipboard and teach you. This guy can take your job if you're not careful. So um, 
Yeah, I mean, what what kind of what grade would you give this Cleveland draft? Because I'm I'm struggling with mine. I don't want to give it an A plus, but I I definitely think that they did a a pretty good job about addressing needs and also drafting players that were projected maybe a little bit higher in spots where they kind of fell to. I gave them a B plus. I definitely was not giving them an A plus. There's some guys on that board that got taken that are a little risky still. Nick Harris, like you said, that was kind of a late pickup. Uh, Donovan Peoples Jones is probably the biggest. And Grant and Delpit were the two biggest grabs. Jordan Elliott's fantastic. But then you got guys like, I think Jacob Phillips is kind of one of those guys that I love picking up people who just came off a national championship that's mm-hmm. as far as you can get and showing leadership, et cetera. But he's got the most downside out of who they picked up. So it gives them about a B plus. And like I said, that's not bad considering they had a lot of A's, a lot of B's, and a lot of B minuses. So. Yeah, I'm going to give them an A minus. I think that the, the, this is probably the most competent draft I've seen them have. Probably since I've been born, <laughs> like I, as oh, far easily. as I mean, well, just because again, there's only one, two, three, four, five, six. There's seven picks and seven rounds. Each pick addresses a need that this team kind of has. You need to back up lineman. You need that left tackle. You need a new safety because of Morgan Burnett's injury. You need help on that defensive line, and Elliott may be able to add that. You need another linebacker to help out in the run because you let two go in Schobert and Kirksey this offseason. The tight end spot is a big question because of Njoku, and then, of course, you know, getting that other receiver to kind of blend in and see and push Higgins to a, to a possible you know camp battle. I mean, they kind of took every need they had for the most part and, and filled it with uh, another position that could potentially be a player for this team. So, it's really rare you see a team do that on any team in the league where every single pick could possibly play an impact for the team the coming year. So, I mean, it's really impressive. And, again, I give them an A-. Andrew says B+. Overall, I think a good draft for the Browns this year. A surprisingly good draft. 100%. You're waiting for them to screw it up at some point. but uh, Right. That's, I mean, honestly, it's not even the Browns <laughs> screwing it up. And I know that you're a little bit over overhyped compared to what I would be. And that's fair because you you support the Browns a little bit more than I do, but it's almost like the same thing last year. I need proof out of the out of the situation. We blamed a lot of other guys for people who I deem not to be at fault, and that's something that I talked to you about. I yeah. doubt it's a coaching situation. I doubt it's this. So really, it's just going to be about listen. You have all the pieces now. Do what you need to do. That's it. Yep, that's plain and simple. Now you've you've got the free agents. You've signed. You've you've drafted well for this. Uh, this little run here now over the past few years, now it's time to kind of make it all come full circle. And they have to, now it has to show up on the field. You're exactly right. Uh, one team that did show up on the field uh, last year and a few years, for a few years now, and is providing some positive momentum. And God, who had just a shit ton of draft picks? Uh, Minnesota is the next team I have on this list, man. And I got to be honest with you, they got 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15 draft picks. In this draft, right. I am going to kill myself if we do every single one. So I'm going to read the first three because they're the, the most important. We'll, we'll breeze through the rest of them. Uh, but the first pick they had in the first round, Justin Jefferson, a wide receiver out of LSU, uh, really showed out this season with Joe Burrow behind the helmet quarterback. Had a good receiving core there in LSU uh, and now goes to a situation where he's flanked by Kyle Rudolph and Adam Thielen uh, in Minnesota. Kirk Cousins, who's proven that he can win some playoff games now finally and kind of has that chip off of his shoulder after a pretty good year. I mean, this is a great pickup in my mind for Minnesota. Justin Jefferson's a great ad. Yeah, this is honestly uh, – I don't know if I had him going here. I almost want to say I did. Um, you had him going to uh, – You were, it was right around there because Minnesota was in, what, the, the early to mid-20s, and that's kind of where you, you thought he was going. So it was around the area. I think we both had him going. I had him going to the Saints at 24, I think. And uh, – 
I think you may have had him going a pick or two sooner. But other than that, I mean, it was he right, kind of right where we all thought. But still, I mean, Minnesota, you right. traded, traded Stefan Diggs, and now you get this guy. I mean. Yeah, it almost made sense. Like you said, you need a guy that's going to be able to replace Stefan Diggs. And if your opportunity persists itself here, then you might as well take it. And that's what they did. I mean, it makes – I can't say anything past it. Justin Jefferson's a great receiver. He helped out Joe Burrow quite a bit last season, and he's going to be fantastic for someone like her cousin. So it's just – it's adding – we really thought they are going to have an offseason after what we saw happen in, in the offseason. But oh, now you're looking at them like, oh, shit, they might have really stepped things up. Maybe people weren't willing to conform to that notion anymore, and they just kind of figured it out. And that might have been the answer, to be quite honest. You know, uh, their next pick was Jeff Gladney, a cornerback out of TCU. I don't know too, too much about him, but I know that the cornerbacks went <laughs> fast and furious, especially towards the end of the first round. Uh, and they kind of picked this guy up in the second. I mean, Gladney, again, a good player, but, you know, I thought the cornerback class was kind of a big fall off after, you know, Okuda. And if you wanted to include Simmons in there, even though technically he's a linebacker, is listed, but he can pretty much do anything. You know, but there was a thing yeah, like kind of just where you want to put him at for real. So, I mean, but Jesus, I mean, no, man, there was 100%. there was so many. Like, you go through now. I'm looking at the list. C.J. Henderson goes nine to Jacksonville. You know, that was another name that kind of popped up. A.J. Terrell goes 16 to Atlanta. Kind of a random pick there. You know, you, you look down the list a little bit further, and it, uh, Noah, who God knows I can't say his last name from Auburn, goes to Miami at 30. Like, it, it's a really weird thing where we saw more cornerbacks than I thought uh, go. Uh, Damon Arnett from Ohio State goes 19 to the Raiders. Like, I didn't see that one at all coming up in the first round. I thought that'd be a second round pick, maybe at best. Um, and yeah, our draft, our draft didn't look great, <laughs> to say the least. And I take that back. Minnesota um, was back into the first round. They got Gladney at 31, so they took a corner, another cornerback in the in the first round. So, yeah, like I don't know too much about the guy, but apparently good enough to get a first round pick from Minnesota. The one guy I did notice. That was kind of on the the lower end tier of the of the the offensive lineman is Ezra Cleveland, who I believe went in the third round to Minnesota. Kind of surprising he fell as far. I saw a lot of like late first, early second round grades for the guy. W- what does he bring to that offensive line? Because that just kind of adds more to help protect Dalvin Cook and company. Again, it came down to like how he performed in the combine and then some persistent injuries for him, and that was kind of where I was at because I had Ezra. Cleveland going in the original our first mock draft, if you want to put that in quotations, going in the first round. But, of course, <laughs> we see what happens with that. Nonetheless, and again, pick up. And again, um, uh, my, my, fault, my apologies again. Second-round pick, uh, 58 to Minnesota. So I have the list right here. I probably right, should, just, exactly. I should just check that. But it still kind of seemed like he fell a little bit further than I thought, especially with so many teams needing offensive linemen. Uh, yeah, we, we can make a run through the rest of these, man. Again, there's 10 more names here, or 12 more names. It's, it's insane. Cameron yeah, Dantzler. I'll, I'll name off the ones for you so it's a little bit easier. Jesus. I'll just name off the ones I saw that were like kind of good grabs for them. Uh, make it a little bit simpler for everybody. Uh, da, 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 da. Nate uh, Stanley, the uh, future quarterback that will unseat Kirk Cousins. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Troy Dye was a really good pickup that late. And then Kenny Wilkes, that's about the last person I could say off of that list. I mean, everybody else did fine. Like you said, Nate Stanley from Iowa, congratulations, you got drafted. I don't even think I could name three Iowa quarterbacks, so at least you got drafted, bud. Ricky Stanzi, man, come on. <laughs> yeah, Minnesota, again, just a shit ton of, like, they traded a lot this, uh, this offseason, but still, like, a shit ton of people 
in this draft, man, give me a grade because I haven't really paid attention to their grades per se. But what do you think? Again, it came it came down to almost the same thing with the Browns. You gotta you gotta show me what you're gonna do with that talent after you let a bunch of talent go. I'm gonna give them a beat bus again. <sighs> I'm gonna say a B just because again they get the three positions I really wanted them to focus on was defensive secondary because Xavier Rhodes is gone. You know, you look at wide receiver because you just got rid of Diggs, and obviously every team could use an offensive lineman almost every year. You need a new one just to kind of, you know, get some more depth. So those three picks made the most sense to me, and they kind of addressed that early. So for that reason, I give them a B. And then the rest of this, I mean, Jesus Christ, like you're just taking a, just a bunch of players to fill out some practice squad spots. I'm surprised they didn't, like, squad up a couple of those picks and maybe trade in for some talent. It was really surprising to me. They went uh, quantity over quality in a lot of the sense, just bringing in a lot of guys <laughs> and trying to hit with one. I don't hey, know. Listen, like, your quality was good last year, so it yeah. may be that you need next to some quantity. Maybe I, that's the answer. I mean, that's maybe what it's going to. And, you know, speaking of more quality as opposed to quantity, Indianapolis, a lot of people have the Colts winning this draft with what they did. Uh, one of the teams I've seen as quote-unquote winners uh, from this, uh, this this past draft process. Let's, let's kind of break them down, Andrew, a little bit. Uh, they, they get back in uh, late in the uh, – or early, I should say, in, in the second round here with that first pick, Michael Pittman. Uh, out of uh, USC, talked about needing a receiver. They didn't get one of those uh, top-tier, quote-unquote, guys, the Judys, the Rugs, uh, in, the, in that top tier. But still, picking up Pittman is the the first receiver off the board in the second round. Pretty impressive pick. Yeah, it was a great pickup. And you're looking, you're looking at a guy who's got the great size and length. Um, again, comes down to being polished. It just He's going to help out because he's a little bit bigger than T.Y. So you're going to have three going to be able to contrast with T.Y. T.I. TIP is playing for the Indianapolis uh, Colts. I don't know this. But, yeah, nonetheless, <laughs> that's kind of like where you got to look at that. That's a good pickup. It made the most sense to bring your first round actually before it's fucking yourself. Yeah, it, it, kind of a weird run on receivers, too, in that uh, that first round where we saw someone like <laughs> like the Cowboys take C.D. Lamb uh, almost to kind of just try and keep him away from Philly at that point, I feel like. They just didn't want them to try and <laughs> possibly trade up to get that guy because, you know, Dallas probably wasn't going to make that trade. Um, interesting to see Pittman go uh, that early in the second round. I thought maybe he'd slip a little bit, but still goes to Indy. They need the receiver. You mentioned that before, too, just kind of having that need. One thing I didn't really know if they really needed a lot of, but I really like the player. Uh, Jonathan Taylor, the running back out of Wisconsin, uh, going just uh, not even that much later <laughs> in, the, in the second because they did trade with the Browns to move a little bit up to get him. Uh, talk about Jonathan Taylor, man. Him and Marlon Matt together in that backfield maybe a good one-two punch. I think that was kind of like what the conversation was, was that we were glad to see that they'd have somebody in the backfield with him. So Jonathan Taylor, again, he's he's the best running back in the class by far. Um, people have said that he's on par with the athleticism with Nick Chubb and Shaquan Barkley. I don't believe that. Again, he's just really, really good, and he's got really good speed. So that's kind of what they need. And maybe he'll be better. You never know. He, he, he should have been a first-time draft pick. There's just kind of a little bit of a – Heavy, heavier draft class this year. Oh, and by the way, I hate to say I told you so, Andrew, but I d- told you Kansas City was taking a running back at 32, and what did they do? They took Clyde Edwards-Hilaire from LSU. So, I mean, I, I want to say that I called that, but no, I didn't have him taking that guy, but I still had him taking a running back. So I'm going to take that victory Your Justin bit. Herbert one, I think, is your better one that you should have been taking one on. Well, yeah, but still, I mean, I, I told you I couldn't see Herbert falling out of the top. You know, ten. Just, just, there was just too. There was too much need up there for both those teams at some point to get them, and especially with the Chargers not going after anybody in free agency. It kind of, kind of seems like they had that thought process. Then finding out, of course, during the draft that he was a Chargers fan, just all made all the f- fucking sense in the world. Apparently, 
Uh, and then I told you from the beginning, Miami's not passing on Tua. That's that's their guy. It's been their guy. So uh, yeah, I don't think either one of us were dumb enough to fall for that. No, yeah, the whole like, oh, maybe I'm not sure. Uh, no, like they're, they're taking him. Uh, <laughs> let's see who else we got here uh, for Andy uh, Julian Blackman, the safety out of Utah, a good prospect that can make an impact on that defense too. Malik Hooker's future kind of seems a little. Suspect? I don't know uh, what's yeah. what's going to go on with him uh, for the future. But the next pick is the one I really want to get into with you because it could very well be the replacement uh, to the replacement to the replacement. Uh, no, literally, if you think about it, Jacoby Brissett, Philip Rivers. Now, uh, Jacob Eason, the quarterback from Washington. A lot of people thought probably one of the top five prospects per se of quarterback in this this class. He goes to Indy. What's your thoughts about Jacob Eason maybe being the future quarterback of the Colts once Philip Rivers decides to hang it up? Again, it comes down to just having the talent with your, your raw prospect, and, and that's what Issa is. He has the talent to do so. He is by far probably – I'd put him right behind – I don't even know if I could put him behind, but I'll put him behind where Tua was before he got injured. Hmm. He's probably got the strongest arm. Oh, yeah. Um, he's like, less, it's like 6'6", 234 pounds. He's huge. Like He's just a monster. Yeah, exactly. He's, he's a really good spot for him to go. He's going to learn behind a guy that can kind of swing like he can. And the thing is, is that the upside for him is that he's super accurate. He just needs to learn how to be a little bit more polished in the in the pocket. Right. Um, so before we give a grade on Indy, man, there's a couple more picks that we can go through here. But just give me uh, your synopsis. Anyone else stand out to you per se with their draft picks uh, before we give them a grade? Yeah, Ball State, Danny Pinter. He was a really good pickup. I was a really big fan of that one in the fifth round, 149. Uh, past that, their draft kind of sucked at the end. So <laughs> they struck gold in the beginning, and they just kind of shit the bed at the end. Yeah, people are really great in that those first couple ones as big big additions because they're really trying to. It almost seems like Indy says, "Okay, we're trying to win now. Like we we know what we got." Where I'm looking from right now because yeah. I just clicked over to it. They have four A pluses in a row: Jonathan Taylor, Julian Blackman, Jacob Eason, and Danny Pinner. Yeah, it'd be obviously Pittman being in there too, and then another kind of sleeper name was Jordan Glasgow, linebacker, their last pickup. Uh, I've heard his name before as kind of like that mid-round guy that could possibly blossom into a, a pretty good linebacker. He's got some good tutelage going on in Indianapolis now, too, with that linebacking core, which is one of the best in the league with Leonard. So, uh, listen, man, I, I give him credit. Like, if I had to give him a grade, I'll, I'll go first since they're your favorite team. Uh, I'm going to give them probably a good B plus, A minus again. I'm going to say A minus just because there is a a goal this year. If if and when we decide to play football again at some point this this, this year, uh, for them, and it's to win a Super Bowl, hands down. This team was set up to do that before last season, and Andrew Luck retired, and that kind of screwed him over. But now this is an opportunity with a quarterback who's proven that he can win a lot of games and he can throw for a lot of yards and touchdowns and make plays. You wanted to take guys that could help him do that on the offensive end because your defense is pretty set, and they did just that with, with someone like Pittman, with Taylor, with now kind of looking at maybe the future of your position too at the quarterback with Eason who's got a hell of a lot of talent and can learn, as you mentioned. So I'm going to give them an A-. minus. Sorry, you got me mid-two right there. Um, yeah, I agree. I, I can hear you, I would too. Give them, I'd probably give them a B. Do you hear me, too? Oh, yeah, it was, it was great. It sounded like you were uh, oh, thank you. <laughs> eating some rebar. I was rushing right there. right there to get that bite in. <laughs> I was. I just made some pasta, if everybody would like to know. But, no, yeah, I uh, I kind of give them, like I said, a B, B-plus somewhere in there because that end of the draft is kind of shit. But nonetheless, they kind of addressed the areas that they needed to. Exactly right. Um, let's uh, let's move on to my team now. 
The New Orleans Saints, this is going to be easy because they only had uh, four selections in the draft. How about that? Only four picks in seven rounds. This team was – a lot of people talked about it too when they were actually drafting. One of the more complete teams, and I'm not just trying to toot my own horn here in the league as far as defensively, offensively, not too many holes, especially after they signed who they did uh, receiver-wise with Emmanuel Sanders and bringing back uh, Janoris Jenkins on a better contract. Um, their, their holes were a few and far between, but they filled a few. Uh Cesar Ruiz going uh, 24 to the Saints at center. Kind of surprised they didn't go skill player with this, but still uh, another lineman to fill in uh, and kind of maybe be that, that future guy to, to hand the ball off to Breeze, and who knows. Uh, we'll talk about that in a second, too, who else they just signed up over the past few days. But what, what's your take on the Saints with Ruiz at 24? I was a really big fan of Ruiz, and I think I had him going right before the Saints anyways. So, I mean, it was a good pickup. I will say this. He is probably, again, with such depth at the O-line position this year in the draft class, he couldn't go wrong. He's a great pickup. I saw his uh, – they gave that little tribute to his dad because um, he was a wreck when he got drafted. So, I mean, good for the kid. I hope that everything works out for him. Hate that he went to Michigan, though. <laughs> they said he was the number one overall ranked center in the draft. So, And, of course, he was the first center to come off the board. So there's that. Um Zach Braun, a linebacker out of Wisconsin. A lot of people were talking about this guy uh, before the draft as, like, again, a, a second, third round pick kind of guy that could really jump in and make some uh, some impact. Did you hear his name at all before this kind of started, Andrew? Yeah, I kind of pay, pay quite good attention to, like, a lot of the Big Tens linebackers, offensive line and defensive line, just because they tend to be. Some of the better ones, they're just a bigger and burlier, you know. Right. So I pay attention to a lot of them. Zach Ron's a really good kid. He just he doesn't have the best versatility. That's probably why he would have went a little bit higher. Um, but it's going to be good to match up with you have you have Cam Jordan and uh, Marcus Davenport now. Um, that little setup's going to be fantastic. Especially Cam's going to have someone he could kind of put underneath his wing and be a dick to you a little bit longer. <laughs> and then the Saints uh, taking a, a tight end from Dayton. Uh, Adam Trotman, who apparently has had a pretty good career there uh, for the Flyers, and now he's flying down to New Orleans to be with the Saints. Uh, another kind of thing where tight ends weren't necessarily featured very heavily in this draft because of the amounts of talent uh, in the receiving cores and in you know the uh, the line and, and even the top tier quarterbacks that were kind of in this this per se. I mean, uh, tell me a little bit. I don't know if you know anything about Troutman because him and you know, we talked about, obviously, Harrison Bryan from Fort Atlantic, two guys that were kind of not very publicized, per se, but had great college careers. Well, the thing with Trotman is that he's, like, super fucking fast. So, <laughs> I guess uh, I'm reading it right now. Plays his size and faster than time in 40 at the combine. Uh, looks like a classic Saints tight end. So, I mean, again, that's what Breeze likes. He likes a guy he could, he could use and maybe throw the deep ball to. So, maybe this is your replacement for, uh, what's his face, Jimmy Graham. Which I thought they probably should have resigned Jimmy Graham at some point this offseason, but the Bears jumped on that. Uh, the last pick for the Saints, only four. I love this. Four picks, easy to break down. Uh, Tommy Stevens, quarterback out of Mississippi State. I have not seen this guy play a lick of downs. I don't know what he looks like. Uh, I'm pretty sure he's decently sized. I don't know if you've seen this guy at all. I don't know. Like, <laughs> I have no idea. No, the only thing I know about him is I think he played for Penn State originally. Oh, dear God. Okay. Well, that's not going to matter no, because – the little caveat I put on this was because there were two recent signings that were pretty big, and we shared them, of course, on the Facebook page, AK Swish Podcast, and on Twitter at AK Swish Pod. The Saints have signed Jameis Winston and Taysom Hill both in the last five days uh, to contracts. Taysom Hill, two years, $21 million. 
uh, with, I believe it's $16 million guaranteed. And then Jameis Winston to a one-year prove-it deal. Uh, man, I think we kind of joked about Jameis in New Orleans for a little bit, but we kind of thought maybe Pittsburgh, one of those, maybe even New England. Uh, are you at all shocked that Jameis comes to New Orleans now with an opportunity maybe to, to fight for the backup job and kind of prove it? Almost kind of how Teddy Bridgewater had to do, right? Yeah, and that was kind of like what I said to you. He's going to go somewhere where he's going to – he's either going to be a career backup or he's going to have to go somewhere where he's got to prove who he is. So, I mean, coming here is definitely that answer. I mean, he's this only is, got one choice. This is crazy, though, because, like, this guy led the league in passing yards last year. He was second in touchdown passes. Like, this guy is now going to be a backup quarterback. If you would have told me, don't put a name on the guy and just tell me, oh, so last you don't year, say how many interceptions he threw? Well, don't 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 say the picks. No, don't say the picks. But just say, hey, who? Because these first two stats go without without saying this. This guy threw for over fifty one hundred yards last year and threw thirty three touchdowns. He was second in the league in touchdowns, first in yards, and he's going to be a backup this year on a minimum deal. You would have been like, what? <laughs> like, yeah. Like that's because that sounds like Patrick Mahomes. It sounds like one of those kind of guys. It sounds like Aaron Rodgers. Oh, five thousand yards and thirty touchdowns. Oh my God! Within the thirty picks just ruins it for him, and that's the thing that just is crazy to me. Hopefully he's nearsighted. Hopefully he got that fixed because, like, this guy, if he if he gets his stuff together, and who better to learn from than a guy who's probably the most accurate passer of all time in Breeze? If, if he can't get him together and, and with those QB competitions and trying to get this guy on a straight and narrow, then I don't know who can because, I mean, that's – if we talk about coaches, obviously coaching is not working. So let, let's get this guy – because he had Arians. So let's get this guy – Drew Brees and see if that works. The only other person I can think maybe that'd be better in that sense maybe be Rodgers, but even then I don't even know if that's smart because Aaron's kind of a dick. But nevertheless, I mean this – and then the Taysom Hill thing, man, I don't know if you have an opinion on that. That was kind of a crazy deal for a guy who's been a gadget quarterback and kind of fits into a weird model for this team as kind of like that weird all-purpose player. Tell me what you think about Taysom's contract. Because two years, $21 million for that guy is a lot. Apparently they have faith in him. I don't. I don't like Taysom Hill, so really, Nonetheless, like you, like you said, he's too, he's multi-threat. He hasn't proven uh, like anything in spontaneity when it comes down to playing quarterback. Like yeah. he's had signs of greatness, but that's it. When you give me a glimpse of what you got, that doesn't mean much. That's why I think you kind of brought Jameis in too. It's like, yeah, Taysom, you're a backup quarterback. Wink, wink. I mean, you also play backup tight end, and you play receiver, and you. You know, running back. I mean, yeah, you do special teams. Yeah, we lined up at safety. It went like you'll just do anything you pretty much ask him to do. I think that's probably why they consider him worth that contract, just because he can do so many different things that it saves you money in other positions. So maybe you just pay him a little more. I don't know like what the scenario will be for him. I think honestly, their their future maybe looks like if they want to try and resign Jameis and they don't want to draft a quarterback next year, whenever Breeze decides to go. Uh, it'd be kind of that, that those two, Jameis being your, your number one and then Taysom kind of being that gadget guy like he is now. Maybe you inc- uh, include him more just to kind of give Jameis more of a break and to kind of be able to watch film on the sideline, you know, in between plays. But I don't know. Uh, so the Saints draft overall, again, four picks, really easy to grade in my mind. Uh, why don't you give me your grade first? Because, again, it was a very tiny draft for New Orleans. Sorry, I'm trying to open my phone. I had you in mute. Hold on. Let's see where I had him graded at. Um, their first two picks, like I said, with the Zach Brown, the, uh, the Cedar Rays, it was huge. Honestly, if you don't draft that Tommy Stevens guy, because I don't know who the fuck he is, I don't know what he's going to bring to your, your table, <laughs> I'd, I'd give him an A, honestly. But I'll, I'll give him just because the lack of picks and also picking up this Tommy Stevens guy, I give him a B plus. I'm exactly with you. I think B plus is fair. Again, I don't know anything about Stevens. And then also, again, 
it's it's for a team. There was going to be a team that only needed four picks this year. I think the Saints was one of those teams for sure, just because they had they have so much talent already on that team, and they're they're kind of built. You know, when you win 13 whatever games back to back years, and you're, most of your guys are back. I mean, it's pretty clear that you're almost all together and just looking for that like, one little push. And maybe Ruiz is the guy. Maybe Braun makes a difference on defense. Maybe Troutman comes in and, and uh, kind of supersedes Jared Cook. Jared Cook's 33. So, you know, there's a possibility there maybe to get some work in with Troutman. I don't know. I think Stevens doesn't see the light of day. That's probably their practice squad quarterback. But nevertheless, uh, yeah, man, I'm with you. I'm with the B+. Plus. That's, that's kind of my, uh, my, my synopsis of that. So there's one more team I want to break down. Um, before we get into my draft questions, I have for Andrew to kind of wrap up this this part of it. Uh, You're gonna be my last team. My uh, Denver Broncos. No, I did not. I believe it or not, I did not pick Denver uh, as one of the teams. I probably should have, uh, but I didn't. Uh, I kind of ah, wanted. I wouldn't have did much anyway, honestly. Well, we can. For, you know, drafting fucking greatness. Drafting greatness, they didn't do much to draft greatness. What you just told me. Uh, we could yeah, go through there. Judy, too. Yeah, so they get Judy because Judy fell to fifteen. I was kind of surprised that Ruggs was the first receiver off the board. But remember, I told you it's the Raiders. They love fast guys, and Ruggs ran a four two seven forty. So that was almost set in stone from the moment he, he crossed had, that finish line. I think him. I think I had CD Lamb before Ruggs. You did. You had CD Lamb going eleven to the Jets. I remember that the day took Becton because Becton fell out of the top ten, which was kind of surprising too. But also, I didn't think Isaiah Simmons was going to fall to eight, but somehow Arizona took him. So. Uh, there was one other guy that fell before we get into, uh, we could actually, let's finish Denver first. So he took Judy at 15. I'm going to kind of scroll down here and look at who else they took. We'll grade this on the fly, uh, per se. Second round, uh, KJ Hamler, wide receiver out of Penn State. So there's that. Uh, we go through, yada-da-da-da, Denver Broncos in the third round. Yeah. Uh, cornerback Michael Ojemudia. Uh, I didn't know he's good. I don't know how to say his last name, <laughs> but he's good as fuck. It's probably Oye Mudia or something like that out of Iowa. So a decent pick there. You like those big ten corners. They usually they can make a difference. Uh, another pick in the third round. They took defensive lineman McTelvin Agim out of Arkansas. That's an interesting pick. Um, again, these weird names are freaking me out a little bit with Denver. They're kind of Adding it up. Oh, God damn it. You're good. You don't have to struggle through anymore. They had a couple of the good. Derek, Derek Tupska was a really good pickup. Jesus uh, Christ. You, I'll give you I'll give you $100 if you can say the guy's last name for Denver uh, in the fourth round, pick 118, a tight end out of Missouri. Albert. Aka will be, um, <laughs> I don't know how to say that. I tried. Everybody besides Judy's name is ridiculous. I can't, <laughs> can't understand. Even the way... Listen, even the way Judy spells his last name, if someone wanted to be a dick about it, they might not know. Oh, my God. Go, like, it's, 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 it's so Denver, man. Just, just And John Elway looking just so happy no, when he picked the music. Nonetheless, they had a decent draft. That was the, the only one I really wanted to talk about was the Judy one. Um, <laughs> that, uh, that was a big pick up for them. So it'll be nice to see. Oh, my goodness. That, yeah, that was hard. That, that was my, my God. I, I didn't even think about Denver. I, I completely just glossed over that because the team I have. No, you're fine. I was just joking with you. I just wanted you to see the names as well. So, dear lord, you they just like picked. Okay, who's got the craziest name? Okay, who's got the second crazy? Like they just like went down the list. Uh, the, the team that went down the list and on many people's list apparently is the winner of the draft. Uh, is the Baltimore Ravens? Uh, as far as what they did. Fuck yeah, brother. Uh, I know you're happy about that because Lamar. Um, but so we're gonna go through their picks 
and talk about them too because they are the quote-unquote winners. Uh, I don't know if that's necessarily true, but they picked up some good pieces uh, in, in this draft. We'll start with their first-round pick, Patrick Queen. I think you may have had him a little bit higher in the, in the draft. I, I had him around this point too in the, the mid to late 20s. Uh, he goes in the first round to the Ravens. Big need for them. It's kind of been that way for a while, I think, since Ray Lewis retired. A lot of people are calling this guy Ray Lewis Jr. I just hope he doesn't kill a man. But you tell me what you think, uh, maybe two, about uh, Patrick Queen and that first pick for the Ravens. Hey, listen, Patrick McQueen. Patrick McQueen. Patrick Queen is kind of. Really, Lightning really McQueen good. has got to light up the racetrack. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Just for him, I mean, I'll be quite honest with you. He, he's, he could play the position very well. He can be very, he's really good on the blitz. He's really good with the coverage. He's got an opportunity to do. He was definitely a higher, he could have been a higher draft pick, depending on how this draft would have went up a little bit more. People would have got injured and stuff like that, and they're wishing that. But he's just, he's one of those guys that can play both sides so well uh, with the with the defense. Like, you have an opportunity to see a guy really cover whatever needs to be done. But coming into a position playing in the AFC North, you're going to see a lot more opportunities to just, like, really grind away at your assets. So this is an opportunity for Patrick Queen and also coming in to a place for Patrick Queen where this is one of the best places to come for defense, one of the best places that you could possibly go to be a linebacker in general. So we'll see exactly what happens with him. Yeah, and then kind of the surprise uh, of that second round. Uh, one of the guys I thought maybe would be one of the top running backs to go off the board, and he was. Uh, J.K. Dobbins uh, from Ohio State going to to the Ravens. You know, you have Gus Edwards, you had uh, Mark Ingram, but it kind of showed in the playoffs that if you didn't, if Ingram was hurt, which he was, you didn't really have, and I think Edwards may have been injured too a little bit, they didn't really have another option to go to, and which I think in most cases, most teams, if you lose your first you know, overall running back, your first string, it's going to get pretty difficult. But now it's almost like an embarrassment of riches because Dobbins can add some stuff to the pass game as well. Uh, but with Lamar with some dump downs and some and some possible, you know, kind of option plays and runs, I mean, J.K. Dobbins is a pretty damn good addition with Ingram kind of going towards the latter half of his career. Now, I use the term jack of all trades, master of none, a lot and very loosely, but in a conservative sense, that's what you're talking about with J.K. Dobbins. He, he does a lot of things really well, but he does nothing extraordinary. So, again, you're getting a guy who is not polished one bit. You're getting a guy that has the talent and the possible potential to be something great. But J.K. Dobbins, for the position he's in to get drafted where he went, you couldn't ask for more. Like you said, you got a couple of guys that um, you kind of got to see how long they're going to last, where they're tanked at. Maybe you need to drop off one of these guys in a workhorse like J.K. But in the same sense, you need to figure out where he's going to play, where is he going to best be fit, is this just a special teams guy, et cetera. But there's a possibility with Dobbins that's what he is. And J.K. Dobbins is a good pickup. I'm not going to shit on it, but that's that. I mean, I didn't expect him to be quite honest. I expected late second round, early third round, so I guess I can't say I didn't expect it. But it's just, he's good. He's going to be decent. Man, see, I have the exact opposite opinion. I think this guy could be like a Nick Chubb, honestly, where it's kind of like, you know, he was slept on a lot through college, too, and he broke some records at Ohio State. Like, that guy is, and that's a, that's a university who's not known for its quarterbacks, but they're damn known for their running backs. This guy is one of the best running backs to come out of Ohio State ever. And it's, it's I'm telling you right now, him and Lamar Jackson in that backfield at some point on a full-time basis, because I think at some point he and Ingram are going to switch roles. Ingram will be more of a power back. 
Dobbins will be more of the feature back. Like th- this is it's a big deal. Again, I could be hitting and missing hard on this one, but I I have a lot of faith in Dobbins. I thought he should have been more higher up on the Heisman Trophy watch for this past year too, because he made Justin's field job a lot easier at OSU for what he was able to do on the ground. And I think Dobbins is going to be, when it's all said and done, he may end up winning Rookie of the Year. I don't know how uh, it's going to look for other teams, but I think that as far as skill-wise, unless someone like Joe Burrow throws for, you know, 4,000 yards or something like that, or two ends up playing, or, you know, Herbert kind of uses those weapons and, and manifests everything, or one of the receivers just goes off. Like, this guy could be my Offensive Rookie of the Year because I think he's going to play from week one on. There's just too much talent and too much upside for J.K. not to, to make an impact, almost, as you mentioned, in, in three or four different facets of the game like that, just like right off the bat. So I love that pick for them. I thought that the, the, the one part about that sucked about the running backs in this draft was that there's so much linemen. There's so many receivers. There's enough – there's three or four or five quarterbacks that make sense, you know, in the first round or two. Like, you know, it just kind of it bogged them down so hard where the running backs weren't really getting appreciated. But this is a, an opportunity to be, to be a great – Running, uh, running back uh, draft class with the guys like Swift and like Dobbins and like Taylor, you know, I don't know how uh, Hilaire is going to do in, in, in uh, Kansas City, but he's got pretty good, you know, showing out. And he, like you said, he just won a championship. So taking those kind of guys that have that experience of winning is a huge plus. I think this is going to be a really good running back class that we kind of underappreciated because of all the talent on the offensive line. Uh, and on uh, the, rece- the receiving cores. But nevertheless, uh, I'll let you kind of take a few more of these guys that you were impressed with. The one guy I do want to mention is Malik Harrison, again, out of Ohio State. I'm not trying to be an Ohio State homer by any means. I actually do really appreciate Dobbins and whatever if he would, if he would have played for anybody else. But someone like Malik Harrison, who a lot of Browns fans were high on, they kind of wanted that guy to be the guy. But Jacob Phillips, I think, kind of eased some tensions for Cleveland Browns fans. But Malik Harrison was phenomenal. Uh, at Ohio State, and he goes to the Ravens, too, to kind of join that linebacking core with Patrick Queen. What does is, what is Malik Harrison bring to that defensive backfield, too, now with Queen kind of added in? It, it comes down to something the exact opposite of Patrick Queen. You're looking at a guy who is run heavy. So he's a run stop specialist. He's not really good in coverage. Uh, he needs to learn to read a little bit better, but he's, he's really deceptive at 6'3", 247. Um, he, he's a lot quicker than what he looks, and he's just he's fluid. So the thing is, is he's not – the potential there for him to play really good pass defense. And it's kind of up to him if he can do the things that he needs to do uh, on an intellectual level to play the coverage a little bit better. So nonetheless, I mean, they're going to get a good guy, and he fits their scheme really well. So, And especially with a, with a core that needs to be rebuilt, it's not going to be a bad addition whether he's playing backup or he's starting. Uh, yeah, man, and you know, is there anybody else on this list? Uh, I can go through some names. Yeah, fucking, uh, you know, I will tell you right now, the one thing Lamar Jackson needs help with is more receivers. You can't just have Hollywood Brown. So, Devin, I can't even say his last name, Duvernay. I think that's how you say it. Duvernay. He's a really good slot receiver. So, like, he's one of those guys that, like, you don't get that build anymore. 5'11", 200 pounds. He's going he's gonna to set it really good. And one of the things, he, he has really good hands. He's really speedy. I think the only thing that he lacks in his area is that he needs to prove that maybe he's not a specialist, that he could be more of a true target. So we'll see exactly how things go with him. And then, I mean, late round, they pick up James Porch from Proch, whatever the hell you say his last name from SMU. I know nothing about him. It's Proch. He's a savvy route. Here you go. He's a savvy route runner. 
uh, more athleticism that would than you would expect. Ridiculous ball skills. Um, some yak wiggle to impressive value here for Baltimore. They give him an A. So I mean, there's other guys that gave A's to like Geno Stone. Literally, their seventh round draft pick. They gave him an A. They said Stone is a lower level athlete for the safety spot, but plays two steps faster than his combine because of genius instincts and coverage. Holds it holds his own against the run. Imagine being a seventh round draft pick and they just like call you a lower level athlete. That's disrespectful. <laughs> Nonetheless, though technically he is a lower level athlete. Yeah, he wasn't taken in the yeah, first. Yeah, he's literally but... the lowest level you could go. <laughs> <laughs> well, undrafted free agent is always a plus, but uh, yeah, I mean, he could have been. Yeah, man, uh, give me your grade for the Ravens draft. The only one I didn't like was the Broderick Washington one. It's just he's one of those guys that he's got the body, but he's not going to last in the NFL. So past that, I mean. I don't see them better than the ones that we talked about today because, like, I don't know. It just depends on where you rank J.K. Because if you rank J.K. really high, it could be good. Like I said, the uh, Devin Duber or Nay, whatever the hell that you say his name, he's a really good slot receiver. So you always look and see if those slot guys exist, like a Julian Edelman. You're not going to get them very often. Or maybe you can move them from a specialist position and move them over. So he could be something special. Uh, again, another guy, I can't pronounce his name, but that D lineman from Texas A&M. I know he's pretty decent. Matabuki. And, uh, the last two picks. The last two picks, apparently, they were rated high uh, from other places. So, for me, I, I can give them a B-plus only because that's where I feel comfort- comfortable. Like a B or B-plus. I'm going to give them the uh, the old A-minus because I think, again, Queen could be uh, probably a superstar in this league at some point. He's got that kind of talent, the winning pedigree. I think, like I said, Dobbins is going to be – look at someone like Nick Chubb as far as like what he can possibly produce for on the field as, as that kind of template – um, he's kind of built in that same kind of way too. A little bit undersized, but man, he, he's a, he's a freak when it comes down to being an athlete and all that stuff. So I look for that. I, I think A minus is fair. Did they have the best draft? A lot of people are saying they did. Man, I don't know. I think the Colts had a pretty damn good draft too, as far as getting what they need to win now. The Saints took you know smart picks. They only had four, so they had to make them count. They only really missed, I think, on one with T- with Stevens because I don't know what the hell he's gonna do. Uh, but you know th- their three picks were solid. The Browns again. Like, I'm not trying to be a homer at all, but, I mean, they had a damn good draft as far as, like, like I said before, it's rare where you see a team where every single player they picked can realistically, if things work out the proper way, can make an impact almost immediately, you know, as far as being a, a piece that can either be in the rotation to give people breaks and someone like Nick Harris, the, the center out of Washington, or someone who could step in like Grant Delpit in day one and maybe, again, if he works on his tackling in the offseason and, if they can actually host stuff like OTAs and, and preseason and all that stuff, if he can really, you know, kind of hone in on that that last little skill that can be taught, then he could be, you know, their version of a Cam Chancellor as far as a guy that could just just knock the lights out of people and make plays. So, who knows? Uh, but again, Ravens for me A minus, best in the draft, debatable in my mind. Um, with that being said, Andrew, I have uh, five more. Before we move on, I want you to look at two more teams for me. Yeah. Not my teams, but just to finish this up real quick, because I'm looking through this, and they're claiming they had the best draft. Look at the Cincinnati Bengals, or look at the Buffalo Bills, either one of them. The greats that I'm seeing from Cincinnati, when you pick up Joe Burrow, T. Higgins, Logan Wilson, uh, Khalid Kareem from Notre Dame, Hakeem, can't say his last name, but then Marcus Bailey when they even gave an A to. They had one B in, uh, with Logan Wilson. That's it. Hmm. And then you have teams like I, you don't even really have to look at them. I can read them off to you. If you go to the uh, the Buffalo Bills, AJ Espinenza, Zach Moss, 
Gabriel Davis, Jake Fromm. That's a great steal to fifth round. Mm-hmm. The only one they gave an, they get an F for Tyler Bass, who's a kicker. I don't know why. <laughs> uh, they have plethora at that. They could have had plethora at that spot. They're saying, but Isaiah Hodgins from uh, Oregon State, and then Dane Jackson from Pitt. They they give them all A's. I mean, I'm going down this list real quick before we finish it up. And I'm just trying Can to I tell you a team that I thought a team that I thought got a steal? Uh, we know Arizona got um, they got Isaiah Simmons. How about Josh Jones going in the third round to the to the Cardinals? They got a lineman that they still wanted, and a guy in Jones that has a lot of potential, who a lot of people had going in the first round, including myself. And I think either you did or had him going maybe early in the second. He goes in the third round to, to Arizona, so they get a big lineman with a lot of potential, and they get you know another safety, another strong defensive back in there. And, of course, we know what they did with DeAndre Hopkins, too, so the wide receiver wasn't really as pressing a need. They needed a lineman and some help on defense. I mean, Arizona's got a – I don't know about the rest of their draft, man, but those two picks right there was huge for them because those guys could pan out almost immediately, too. Simmons maybe uh, one of, the one of if not the best player in the draft when it's all said and done. And then you look at someone like, again, Jones, who is a great tackle that can kind of fit in that role and protect Kyler Murray, protect, you know, uh, Kenyon Drake and those guys out there. I mean, that's – I was so surprised he fell all the way down to the third round. Yeah, I agree with you. And then the last thing that I had to bring up was I just did the whole list and wasted the perfect amount of time. Um, I could tell you right now, it, this Carolina team, I mean, Derek Brown, apparently he's going to be the greatest fucking draft pick out of here. So we'll see exactly how he turns out. They're saying he's he's awesome. He's going to be a force in the league. You uh, did gross tomatoes. I know just the first thing because I made fun of it, but I knew how good he was. Uh you got a guy from Penn State that's going to be phenomenal for your team. Probably going to start at a second-round draft pick. Jeremy Chin from Southern Illinois, they gave him an A in the second round. Troy Pride Jr., A. B-plus to Kenny Robinson Jr. Robbie and Roy, they gave him a B-plus. And they gave Stanley Thomas Oliver the third of the – and he's a seventh-rounder. So they literally gave all these guys A's and B's. And they're sitting here. Like, I'm just looking at the rating we were just talking about. I don't see how Baltimore – Baltimore had some, like, duff-ass picks. I mean, this went deep. I will say that they did it for the longest time. I mean, depending on where you you rate JJ, I have him like listed like mid tier. So some people might have him at a B. You have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven on uh, CBS. Seven straight saying that those are B draft picks, and then they finished out with two A's. So I don't know. That's weird. I mean, I dis I disagree, but nonetheless. Well, we're here, and uh, I have five more questions for you, Andrew, before we wrap up our draft, quote-unquote, coverage uh, kind of through this. So my number one question, uh, is Jalen Hurts a good fit in Philly? I think that's something that yeah. I it, – it's really yeah. – it's an interesting spot because Carson Wentz has had problems staying healthy, and Hurts is that kind of guy where it seems like no matter what situation he goes into, whether it's with receivers, without receivers, now, granted he had, CD, <laughs> he had CD Lamb in, in Oklahoma, so that's a, that's a big plus for him, but – I mean, can he can he win on that team where it's going to be it could it could go to him pretty quick here depending on how long Wentz stays healthy for. A hundred percent, I think he's good. I think this breaks the curse for him because he's always been thought of as something better than he was in taking a back seat for once in his career with what he was able to do in Oklahoma, where he's like, I got to fucking leave because they don't want me here. He took that back seat and things started getting better. Maybe they take the side back seat. Breaking superstition of his, you know what I mean? That kind of happens with certain people. Like, if you, if you shine a light too bright on somebody, sometimes they fizzle out. And this might be an opportunity for him to regain his, his composure, his his true potential. So I do think that Jalen Hurts is a good quarterback, and I think he is very polished. And, and I think he's got an opportunity with more of a mental and intellectual game with himself. So 
it's almost like James Wiseman, not James Wiseman, uh, Jameis Winston. Jameis Winston's in the same boat where it's like he hurt himself more than his play hurt him. So when you look at a guy like that who speaks with all this confidence, who's trying to be some, some type of leader that we know he's not capable of being, you, you see a development issue that never goes away. And, and, and you don't see that with Jalen Hurts. He's actually trying to be better than what he even thought he was at Alabama. So if there's a possibility in doing so, it's going to be a great fit for him because you don't know if Carson Wentz is going to stay healthy. This is the crazy part about Jalen Hurts, too. The guy had an amazing career at Alabama. Like, he did all this great stuff. He won championships. Like he, Then he goes to Oklahoma and just blows up. Like, they, they love those dual-threat quarterbacks that can do both. Him and Kyler Murray are kind of back-to-back uh, examples of that. And now, again, a Philly team that Doug Peterson's a very open-minded guy. I'm, I'm sure they kind of want to – I've seen a lot of reports of using him kind of like a, like a Taysom Hill as far as, like, being that kind of gadget guy who, who runs plays – Sometimes on the field with Carson Wentz, sometimes he just runs an offensive play, whatever it is. I mean, it's going to be a very interesting season for them because, it, especially with the receiver being one of the things they needed to work on, and obviously they brought Godwin in or Goodwin in from uh, from the 49ers. They drafted a few guys. Like this, this Eagles team is going to be very interesting to watch because there's a lot of talent there, and, and, and you know, if they stay healthy, it's they had no receivers. They they were starting the third string janitor from from Parma High School uh, at the end of the <laughs> the end of the season. So I mean, they needed some help at that spot, and they drafted a few guys that, that can make an impact, but Hurts is kind of the – to take him as early as they did I think was kind of surprising because a lot of people said maybe third-round pick somewhere in there, mid-third-round pick, maybe as a ceiling as a second. But, man, right right in the smack dab in the middle of that second round, it kind of threw me off a little bit. I did not think he was going to go that high. And that like it was like – I think like the mid-50s is where he went. Like it's a bit shocking, but I, you know, it could work. It could he went fifty fifth. I believe we went fifty first or fifty fifth. I can't remember exactly, but yeah. So right in that sweet it, it's spot. It's the same way. Yeah, it's the same, same way I feel about Jake Fromm. I mean, feel I feel as if again disrespect him to go Fromm, that man. far down. Yeah, they disrespected him so Ooh. heavily. Like I'll say this: when you have a guy who, in the beginning of the year, for the preseason preview, was ranked to be the number one draft pick from ESPN. Now, sports centers jost with ESPNs, like you know what I mean. They they jost with the they their TBTs and bad flashback moments, you know. Mm-hmm. So of course, with ESPN doing that, it's just like I don't see how he fell so low when they knew so much about him, and he still did decently. Well, think he about just, it. He was he, he was in the he race. Performed him him and right. him and Tua and Herbert were the three guys. Those were the three guys who were like okay, and then obviously I'll Burrow blew up. Jake Fromm, Jake Fromm might have been in that race, but like when he started getting through the year, he started playing as if. I guess what they're expecting to see from quarterbacks in the NCAA for them to go to the next level and be a higher overall draft because you have to start breaking records or look like you're going to be the best passer in the league. Now, you look at what Jake Brown did, I understand that making him look like a game manager and what you would want in the NFL at the level below the NFL scares some people. I get that. Like, you want his potential to be where he's at right now, but you're now wanting to do it on a higher level. Right. I guess I can get that, but I don't, I don't know who said it, which one of their coaches said it, but someone said, mark my words. Uh, this kid's going to be the best quarterback in the league in the next five years. And then for your head coach to come out and get that upset that you got drafted that low, it's crazy to me. So what, it if, blew my mind. Like if, when, if Kirby Smart came out and said that from Georgia. It was Kirby I mean, Smart. I, yeah. thought, I thought it was, but I didn't want to say anything. But yeah, I thought it was Kirby Smart. And like, that's one of those things where it's just like, you're like, wow, you know. And he was getting I pushed. I'm the one that shared it on our page, too. That's the no, funny like, part. Like, like, remember. like, seriously, Fromm was getting pushed. Remember, Fields was the first guy to kind of push him and almost took his job at one point before he transferred to OSU. And then this past year, they got another guy in there that's 
I think one of the top like dual threat quarterbacks, and he was pushing him hard. He almost lost his job, you know, this season, uh, and he still found a way to keep it. And then Georgia, which is historically known at least recently, before obviously Stafford is one of the exceptions, but it's kind of a, a run first type of team, a kind of hard nosed defensive run type team. You know, he put up decent stats. Like was it? He was not going to be in a situation where he was going to be asked to throw the ball 40, 50 times of the game. I don't know what he would do in that situation. I don't know what. His, his mindset would be, I don't know how he'd react. And I don't think, you know, for, for a guy like Fromm going to a team like Buffalo, where, again, it's kind of that same type of mentality where it's very hard-nosed. Allen doesn't – I mean, Josh Allen kind of towards the end of the year was throwing the ball more, but it's kind of a weird hard-nosed defensive run type of team in a, in, a, in a climate where you kind of need that. I think Fromm can work out really well. If Allen gets hurt or something doesn't go right, that's the kind of guy where it's, it's almost kind of like built like an Alex Smith type of guy where he's not going to hurt you. He's not going to make all these mistakes that maybe someone like an Eason would or someone on the other kind of level where maybe his physical tools don't match those kind of guys, but he's a very, I don't want to even say safe, I want to say a competent quarterback who could be a starter in this league and possibly win you some games. I believe so heavily that he could be. He gives me Andy Dalton vibes. Yeah, he's kind of got that, that kind of like that Jared Goff, a little bit smaller than Jared Goff, height-wise kind of mindset. Like I think he's like 6'3", Goff's like 6'3", 6'4". So he's kind I of in that area. I don't know how tall what this is. I haven't even checked, but I just knew Jake Brown was like one of those guys I remember like watching, and like, well, what they, they're saying something about him. So let's see exactly how he's going to turn out. And like, that was not the case. People were just like, "Fuck him." I don't, I don't understand. He just he Some looks like a quarterback. Like, he looks him and him and Burrow kind of had <laughs> that that weird like if things go correctly, they have like that kind of like that Tom Brady vibe where they're just those guys that just seem to win. Like you know, it's it's they find a way to break through all the bullshit and find a way to win. All the all the talk about being transferred or you know having guys right on your coattails or you know going from one big school to the like they seem to have that kind of chip that kind of lasts through the test of time. So I want to see what he looks like in a couple of years if Josh Allen maybe doesn't pan out or he keeps getting hurt. Ah, damn, he almost went so. in the sixth round. There was a strong possibility he did with sixth round, sixteen to nineteen. With yeah. Matt Barkley in the final year of his contract, Bills were quietly in the backup quarterback market. Like Barkley, from wins the anticipation, uh, wins with anticipation, but has weak arms, good pocket presence, and plenty of big game experience. I agree. Like everything they said, he's just kind of weak. I was going to give you a comparison. The perfect guy to really compare him to, besides Barkley, would be a really good one that you enjoyed with Colt McCoy. He's a really good comparison for. Um, as well. it's, it's funny because the guy that talked about having a weak arm was someone like Tom Brady too and the guy came out and you know he was a little bit taller obviously but ended up you know showing out Tom Brady six, was a so. fucking goofball when he got drafted that's yeah. why yeah. everyone didn't take a seriously he's a fucking goofball Jake Fromm's like a goofball <laughs> well we'll see how it all turns out uh, my second question yeah, kind funny. of ties into Tom Brady to an extent at least his former team surprised that New England did not take a quarterback in this draft <laughs> no, because you said you didn't even stick with Stidham. You know it's not a surprise. You're asking me that question off serious. No, I was fucking, as soon as Jordan Love left the board, they're like, fuck it, we don't care. <laughs> this, this is it. Well, they traded out of their pick. They had the 23rd pick, and they traded out of the pick. Love was still on the board. Like, he didn't go until 26. That's what I'm saying. Unless it was Jordan Love, like you said, they're just out of there. That's what I'm saying. So unless they're high on Jordan Love, not that they traded their pick or they, they moved away from him. What I'm saying is, if you... You either wanted the kid or you didn't. That's what we were kind of on the fence about because we heard rumors that he was. And then when you see fucking Bill Belichick leaving his dog in front of the camera for the rest of the evening, you knew he wasn't serious about taking anybody. So, I mean, it's I literally it's literally insane. Like I don't even 
Like I, it just it just blew my mind. They're they're set with Stidham and and Brian Hoyer as their quarterbacks. And I and maybe Belichick's trying to show everybody, hey Stidham, no one's talking about this dude. Just wait. Like you know, I, 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 he could come out and and blow the damn roof off. I have no idea, but I got a I got a very Matt Castle vibe from Jared Stedham, which in their own right, they got him 11 wins one year and got Matt Castle a fat-ass contract from the, the Kansas City Chiefs. Who knows? But, I mean, I, anybody I, can win. Anybody can win as a quarterback in, in New England. We've well, we're going to find out. We're going to find Brissett. out. This is the big test now. <laughs> Jacoby Brissett. Listen, there is no finding out. Matt Castle, Jacoby Brissett, fucking uh, Brian Hoyer. We can go on. The list goes fucking forever. Jimmy Garoppolo. Like, even if Jimmy Garoppolo turned out to be good, like, all of those guys are products of that market. And some of them got fat-ass contracts being shitty. So, you know, if Stidham is – if Stidham could be the Trent Dilfer of the New England Patriots and they're still going to possibly make the fucking Super Bowl, it doesn't make a difference. Well, if he's the Trent Dilfer Honestly, to that team, it's the Baltimore Ravens all over again in 2000. That's that's a that's pretty good analogy. Saying, yeah. That defense is right, still pretty exactly. damn good. Uh, Thank you. I appreciate the analogy reference. So my, my third – uh, my third question is, uh, of the the big three quarterbacks that were taken, so obviously Tua, obviously uh, Joe Burrow in, in Cincinnati, Tua in Miami, and Herbert uh, going to the Chargers in L.A., which quarterback will win ten games first? Ten games first. Uh, probably Justin Herbert. So this, this, this could be over This could be over two seasons because it may take a while for all three of those guys to win some oh, games. No, but they're gonna, I don't doubt, mark my words, hand in my, hand to, right hand in the Bible, he might win it in his first season. Ah, that defense is so fucking stout and he's ah, still got Keenan Allen. <laughs> it's like dude, Keenan Allen that's, that's, that's asking a lot. It is a, it is a strong possibility they win 10 games next season. And you heard it. And we'll mark this episode. Episode 59, I said there's a possibility <laughs> that the L.A. Chargers when fucking ten games, I don't doubt that they might be the best team in L.A. Well, I don't know if the Rams are going to be that great, but nonetheless, the Rams had an off game, year and they went nine and seven. It's unbelievable. They did an off year and they ended up winning nine games. In context to what you just said, I'm going to say it's most likely going to be the Chargers. I, I have to technically agree with you, though. I have a weird suspicion that the Bengals are going to be a lot better. I don't better. know because that fucking division too. That division is hard. So Las Vegas getting better. Yeah. Yeah, oh my the, God. the Chiefs are the Super Bowl champs. You know, Denver's got some skill players now, and Drew Locke with his first full season, who could probably – I think Locke could pull Mahomes and have a pretty damn good year out of nowhere, kind of like start the yeah, last few Locke, games. And, I think Locke will be good, but I don't think he'll be that good. But we'll see. He's got a big um, arm, Jerry too. Judy, Jerry Judy helps a lot. Yeah. So, I mean, nonetheless. Yeah, that'll get him set uh, up. That's a really good – that's a hard one, but like you said, going towards the Bengals side of things, I'll let you finish off yours. I just the AFC North is still difficult. Like it's not, it's not yeah. a fucking cakewalk. No, I don't think the AFC North has ever been a cakewalk. To be quite honest, no, but not at all. I even probably, yeah, I, I'll say ninety percent of the woes from the Cleveland Browns are their own, but ten percent of it is because of how shitty uh, it is to play in the AFC North. And then you said the last guy was Tua. Tua, no, yeah, no way. <laughs> Maybe there's like a there's like a slight possibility just because like they turned it around at the end of the year. He but might like not the even thing that turned it around with their defense. Yeah. And their defense finished thirty second in the league. He might not so, even like, he might not even play. They had Devontae Parker and the defense played decent. That was like that that like I don't know. Like, like and they got a lot better too with the draft. Miami's got some opportunities. I like Brian Flores I, as a coach. I, I don't but, like Miami. I don't like Miami at all. <laughs> I don't know what it is. And like. We have kids that like that from our area play over there. I forgot who we were just talking about. Um, like fucking linebacker that went to Benedictine. I can't remember his name. Yeah, who fucking cares? But uh, <laughs> either, either way, he plays for them down there. He's pretty good. He plays for Ohio State too. I can't remember his name, man. Yeah, there's a reason. Uh, why. Jerome Baker. Jerome Baker. 
And then uh, that's it. <laughs> Listen, I had a hard time naming his name when he went here. So, it's it's <laughs> all just. I, mean, I hope that I hope the best for Miami. I think they still have one of the coolest jerseys ever, and they were the first ones running the Wildcat, and then that shit was raw. Um, it ruined Madden for like two years of mine. Past that, I mean, there's no fucking like. There's no, I don't even think there's a fair comparison out of this quarterback season. I don't fucking. I told you how I think Joe, if Joe Burrow gets played dirty, he'll end up like David Carr. No doubt in my mind. I have a weird, again, maybe it's just me. I don't know. I have a weird suspicion that Burrow's going to be okay. Like, I feel like T, uh, T. Higgins, I, T. Higgins, I, I, man, I is you, so underrated. Is that he's like, I, for me, my optimism for him right now is that he ends up like between Phillip Rivers and Eli Manning, but like mix the two together and make a serviceable quarterback. Like, that's what I hope to God that you get out of him. But, like, in, in the long run, I've seen a lot of times that, like, if that offensive line can't keep him up, Higgins is amazing. You still got John Ross the third, the fastest guy in the fucking league. And, and then you still got, um, what's his fucking name? The one they just fucking, they franchise tagged him, and he asked him not to. Uh, A.J. Brown, right? Am I right? Or A.J. Green? A.J. Sorry? Green, the receiver. A.J. Yeah. Green, yeah. A.J. Brown, why am I thinking of that? That's Tennessee, isn't it? A.J. Brown. I think so. That's correct. A.J. Green, that's how little we saw of this guy. That's another good nail. I really played it out for you, some metaphoricals. But nonetheless, yeah, he's got an awesome wide receiver. I think I think I think Joey B is going to have a damn good career. I don't know if it's all going to be in Cincinnati though. I don't know if he's going to be hanging out because he didn't. Oh really... no, I hope he gets out. I don't. I wouldn't want to play in the AFC North in general unless you're like Pittsburgh. Like, hey, come play up here. I just I think about it. If you're not in Pittsburgh or Baltimore, you're pretty much looking at probably a really either interesting or shitty coaching situation, and the owners aren't exactly too you know balls screwed in too tight probably for your your liking either. So it's going to be really difficult. <laughs> For you to for you to work through. I don't that. know. Like I said, I like Baltimore because what they've done with Lamar Jackson. Yeah, it. yeah. Baltimore and Pittsburgh are fine. The ownership's great. The coaching's been great. Right. Harbaugh's taken a lot of unnecessary shit. The good one, John, uh, for what what he's been able right. to do the over there. Um, I still wanted to see Jim just go to the Browns just because that would've been funny to watch those two play to the twice a year. I don't know, like <laughs> the only two coaches in the NFL that don't have to social distance because they're brothers. I don't. <laughs> Uh, again, this is also great, guys, because I can laugh at my own jokes, and Andrew's not here to not laugh at my jokes in front of my face. So that's always a plus. I was laughing. I was laughing at something our buddy Derek posted. He said somebody looked up and looked me up and down and said, "How tall are you? Like five <laughs> eleven?" <laughs> he looked at Derek and put some context. Derek's like six five, six six, somewhere in there. He's a big dude. So I told you dude, it was it was hilarious when I saw him in that sheets when I was working at Walmart when we were on break at like three a.m. and I walked in and saw him and he looked like a fat Khalid. Like it was, <laughs> it was. I told him he looks like he looks like DJ Mustard. That's my favorite rapper, not Mustard. Um, DJ that what Kid- DJ it is. I'll I'll get back to it. DJ Hot day. Sauce. Yeah. yeah. DJ Hot Sauce. <laughs> uh, number four, Andrew. Uh, it's really easy to say who won the draft, right? We could always debate that, but I want to know, in your opinion, who lost the 2020 NFL draft? Oh man, you're gonna put me on the spot. You're damn right. There's a couple of teams. There's a couple of teams that I can really go down. I think the Washington Redskins really shit the bed except for the Chase Young pickup. Past that, they didn't pick up anybody really worth watching. Um, I, off the top of my head, I mean, if you have somebody, I'll go ahead and let you name yours, and I'm gonna look. Through yeah, I got one for you. I marked down for bad times. New England, because <laughs> you could have taken a quarterback in this draft class who has something for you. Instead, they took a guy, Kyle Duggar, out of Lenore Rhine with the 37th pick in the second round. You know, they traded out of that first round. 
with guys that were on the board, like Grant Delpit, like Antoine Winfield Jr., guys that have, you know, that kind of talent. Other corners. Oh, shit. I know who lost the draft, Kyle, and I'm dumb not to think of it. The Patriots had an awful you draft. Who lost the draft? No, I know exactly who fucking lost the draft. You know who lost the draft? The Green Bay Packers. Aaron Rodgers <laughs> lost the draft. How the fuck do you draft Jordan Love before you get this man help? You've never helped him. I don't want to. I don't. I, I don't want to. Uh, don't want to make this. Uh, we kind of already went into my fifth and final question for the draft before we wrap it up. Uh, <laughs> I, this this question. I, I forgot about them completely because like, listen, you try to refresh bad memories. God this, damn. This this is my last question, Andrew. <laughs> as verbatim, is Aaron Rodgers' days in Green Bay numbered? <laughs> uh, no, I hope to God not. But you, what you age? Know, listen, I, buddy. Listen. This, this is how the old? Same way they did it to Favre. This is the exact Seriously, think 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 about it. Think about how old was Brett Favre? How old was Brett Favre when they drafted Aaron Rodgers? But that's the thing, like, we, this is, like, and man, did you see him pre-draft? Like, he was talking about how, like, uh, they, somebody brought up the Brett Favre thing, and he started talking about how great of an opportunity it was, uh, and he'd love to do that for somebody. And then they draft this kid. Oh, my God. They're like, oh, this is ready to settle down. This is from Pete Pritzko, from CBS. This is the exact quote, verbatim what he said. He said, terrible move by the Packers. And Rodgers told me last summer he wants to play for his 40. They needed a receiver. They needed defensive help. Sitting behind Rodgers will do will do love well, but not going to do the pack as well. You're in the cusp of getting to the Super Bowl, and Rodgers needs help. It's offense. Rodgers needs help. How do you disrespect the man? Oh my God! Jordan Love, I baby. I forgot about this. I and I like Jordan Love. I was high on Jordan Love. Tell like, you what, like, it's the first time since 2005 that the that the Packers have taken a skill player. So let's give them credit for breaking the biting the bullet and taking a skill player finally. And. Yeah, they can't take a receiver, not the fucking guy. Listen here, all right. Listen, I made I made comments last year. We go back to when I was reading off Utah State shit, and you guys were like, "Why is he reading off Utah, Utah State record? And why is he reading, why is he reading off this guy Jordan Love? Because I knew he'd be decent, but to replace Aaron Rodgers, you better have Jesus Christ as a small child God. on your team to replace Aaron Rodgers. Then oh. highest per- completion percentage of fifty plus yards in the history of the NFL. He throws the ball better than almost anybody out there. So what are you going to do? Not get anywhere you see this? Pick up a 26th first-round pick? And f- Jordan Love? Come on. Well, Jesus Christ. You well, have so many options. Really quick. Let's, so let's, many. I want to look through. I don't know if you have Green Bay's, the rest of their picks lined up. I want to see the rest yeah, of their picks. Listen, I'm gonna, and then I looked at it, and I'm like, oh, shit, they were pretty bad. The one I named off to you, the Washington Redskins, look at theirs, too. Their grading system sucks for them. Yeah. This is theirs. D, C plus, B minus, D plus, D minus, C plus, C plus, B minus, D. And then this is the one that I was talking about with uh, the Washington Redskins. They had an A with Chase Young, but after that they had D, C plus, A, C plus, D minus, C minus, D. They shit the bed too. So Green Bay, yeah, team. they took, in the second round, they took a running back, A.J. Dillon, out of uh, Boston College. Not sure if it's a relation to Corey Dillon or not, but there you go. There's there's, there's their second round pick. Yeah, he, that's, honestly, those are the two worst uh, and the rest of them are decent. Tight end, yeah, Josiah Josiah DeGuaria from Cincinnati in the third round. I'm, I want to go through these and just see who they are. So there's two two more skill players uh, they took in the next two rounds. <laughs> right, hold on, hold on, hold on. I, I, I want to get this. Uh, Green Bay did not have, I don't think they had a fourth round pick. Let's go fifth round. I'm very curious. I want to see. 
Ohio State Duck in this There's draft. absolutely nothing. Linebacker Kamal that, yeah. Martin out of Minnesota. So they're trying to raid uh, Minnesota. That's personal still, obviously. Uh, let's see who else. Six round here. Green listen Bay, Green me, Bay. Listen to me crinkling through my, my Easter candy while I find the last place. Like, Offensive lineman John Runyon out of Michigan is the 192nd. <laughs> looking, looking, looking. Green Bay had, ooh, they had two more picks in the sixth round. They had three picks in the sixth round. They took a center, Jake Hansen, out of Oregon. Then they took another offensive tackle, Simon Stepanziak of Indiana. So there's two more offensive linemen. See, they're, they're, taking, they're taking players to help Aaron Rodgers. And by that, I mean they're taking players to help their next quarterback, Jordan Love, in the next three years. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my goodness. Green Bay in the seventh round, they took uh, a safety, Vernon Scott, out of TCU. They had another pick in the seventh round. They took an edge rusher, Jonathan Garvin, out of Miami. I think I've heard that name before. Um, Let's see. And that should be, I believe it. Yep. So there you go. (laughs) Green Bay to Jordan. (laughs) Hey, man. We're laughing about this now, but watch, watch him be like the next Pat Mahomes. Like him just like come out and like Rodgers gets hurt and like he plays the last game no, of the year. I've known if a quarterback that does well when everybody wanted to see him fail is Daniel Jones. Oh, man. <laughs> Listen, I thought Daniel Jones, we made fun of that graphic hard. Because he's from Duke. Hard. So he he had a he had an F grade for us to begin with because of where he's from to start. And then, you know, I mean, the good part about that is the only place you can go is up from there. So that's, that's, that's a plus, but <laughs> – <laughs> that that was that was it for me, man. Anything else you want to add on this draft? I don't know if you want to give any more thoughts before we move on to our quick hits, really quick. Yeah, but. my favorite thing out of the draft is a video from uh, from Stevie Lance, where the girl tried to take his phone and he <laughs> grabbed it out of her hand aggressively. Uh, it's <laughs> Trey Young's ex, by the way. Shout out! I right, shout out! Shout out! Uh, Stevie Lance for that. That's a that's a move right there. Did you Playoff did player. you did you see that it was uh, it's Trey Young's ex? Was the girl that took his phone? <laughs> it's hilarious. Well, they both went to Oklahoma, so it makes sense that she's from there. But like, it's it's just <laughs> that was crazy. Also, uh, Roger Goodell sitting down on his couch reading cards was pretty funny for me. I don't know, like that he won the draft. Like, if I had to give a winner, it was Goodell because it was funny. Also, saying that uh, that in twenty twenty that Oakland is going to host the or L A or the the Vegas. I'm sorry, Las Vegas is going to host the uh, the next draft in 2020 was hilarious because he, he made the announcement that the, Raider, the, the Raiders are going to host after the after Cleveland does next year. Um, but he didn't say mm-hmm. 2022. He said 2020. I'm like, yeah, we know. Like, it's 2020. They were supposed to be there. <laughs> and the, <laughs> Trey Wingo had to, like, damage control for the next, like, minute on ESPN. He's like, yeah, sorry about that. You know, it's, it's 2022. <laughs> it was funny as hell, man. That, that was a... Uh, Honestly, almost, if not more, entertaining of a draft to watch because I watched the entire first round than, uh, than honestly watching it with fans there with the booze. Like, it was funnier watching him play up to a TV when he knows it doesn't matter because he can just mute them at any point he wants because it's his TV in his house. Like, I would have muted it. It would have been hilarious. But nevertheless, uh, I thought it was pretty fun. What did you think of the new concept, the new format that kind of went through with uh, having to kind of, you know, be apart from everybody? What did you think of that? I hated it. I absolutely hated it. <laughs> I don't think anybody enjoyed that. I thought it was period, great. But, you know, as far as what they had, they did a, they did a, yeah, they had a with the cards dealt. It was a good idea. Good for them. It was really sad. There was a lot of sad stories. They tried to like you know 
like we got enough sad shit going on. Last thing I need to see is like, you know, oh, this guy's dad died in a car wreck, and oh, this guy's dad was a uh, like, like a meth dealer, and you know, he did this, and this this guy went through fourteen moms, and he's like, it's like Jesus Christ. Listen, like, if I know any, if I know anything about with the, the lacking a father figure and being good at sports, I'll tell you right now, the half those gentlemen have that issue. So moving <laughs> on from that subject, <laughs> we know exactly why they're good at sports. Oh man! All right, so let's get into the quick hits really quick, man. Some Been stories. Done that, <laughs> <laughs> Some stories that broke down that I saw actually a couple. Uh, all three of these, I have three of them, came down today. So I'm going to read them because you don't know what they are, and then I'm going to uh, just kind of get your opinions on these, and then we'll wrap it up. And what has been a pretty fun episode. Uh, so quick hit number one, uh, no bell included. The Ball Boys all signing with Rock Nation today. So uh, Lamelo, Leangelo, and. Uh, how does Leandro get a contract? I know that happened, but like, how does Leandro Paul get a contract? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe like, G League, maybe somewhere. I don't know, but he's. Uh, I think maybe it was G League. I'm gonna say it this way: Is he the guy on the team that you let run the ball on Senior Day, and the last play, and the other team knows about it? Because that's what it seems like. I'm gonna be quite honest with you. That's what Leandro Ball's career turned out to be. <laughs> oh God! thing on my board. Let him run it. Let but him all run of them. The last time he's all been, of them. He's been our manager. Yeah, but Lamelo Ball makes sense to sign with Rock Nation. He's good. Lamelo Ball is going to be good. He's going to be a top draft pick. Lonzo Ball is good. He's in the league doing well. He's actually showing progression. Yeah. Angelo Ball hasn't picked up a basketball since Lithuania. He just signed this guy <laughs> to run the ball in the fourth quarter at senior night, and it makes it on ESPN. I get it. Oh, brother, are you kind of surprised they all have daddy's wing and now they're going to Jay Z? Yeah, I'm I'm fucking disappointed in how shitty Leandro Ball's playing. I thought Leandro was going to be the best brother. I no, no, I'm talking about them. I'm talking about them leaving Lavar in the dust. They they're leaving no, 3D behind. No, it wasn't. It wasn't leave, they weren't leaving him behind. I'll tell you. I don't know how much you know about what happened with the Ball brothers and like their, the lawsuit. Their they, I know some of them. Like, I know they yeah. had a they had a falling out with their dad. I know that. I saw that. They had a, they had a part. See, they had a part ways. It wasn't just like they still love their dad. They still their daddy's still annoying, but. <laughs> I'll tell you, there's some more contractually binding situations that really put them into a weird spot. They thought when you rely on your dad to be your manager and you're confident, and then it just doesn't work because your your father gets played. It's unfortunate, but some agents get played like that too. I mean, there's, there's guys that lose money all the time, and you know who doesn't do that? Jay Z doesn't. Jay Z don't get played yeah. for no one like that. Yeah, Jay Z is the greatest person ever lived. So, listen, fucking. I have it on good authority that he's God's cousin. So I don't know. <laughs> it blows my mind, man. Uh, number two on the quick hits: uh, the NBA changing its date for practice facility openings to a week from Monday, so it will not be May first as originally uh, anticipated. They're actually going to uh, they're going to keep it a week from today, so it's not going to be on May first. They're going to extend it to May fourth, uh, as far as when teams can start letting people back in their facilities. A lot of it's uh, to comply with some stay-at-home orders in the states. Uh, we've we've been avoiding COVID nineteen for the most part in this episode, which has been kind of nice. But to to dive back in for a brief second, thoughts about the now slow reopenings of practice facilities, with possibly the hope of maybe trying to get some games in uh, and the playoffs in before you know it's too too late to to get it done. Well, that's I guess something I told you some moment or to point fingers, but something I've been saying this whole time: we're not going to see everything open until June, um, maybe. And I told you guys we're not going to see live sporting events amusement park, et cetera, things like that, until probably September, maybe. And we already see that Disneyland is closed down for until 2021. So 
it's hard to say because I think, you know, the same thing I said about the goddamn stay-at-home order to my boss or my, the owner of the company I work for, I, I made it very clear to everybody. I said, they're going to extend the stay-at-home order and just in the state of Ohio. I said, things aren't over. Things are going to get worse. I'm waiting to see how Georgia gets fucked up because they allowed everybody to go back to work. Um, there's a reason they extended things like this because it's not over. It's not going to be over for a long time. We might not see it over for a couple of years. The bigger issue that we're facing right now is that we need more economic stimulus. That's why you guys got stimulus checks. Stimulus checks mean they want you to spend money and, and, and do it for the economy. Stimulus checks aren't to put in your savings account or put towards your car. It's to spend at businesses. I guess you could put it towards your car. You're spending it at the business. But to spend it on businesses so they can continue to flourish. Unfortunately, we're not getting enough stimulus in those checks. That's why there's a possible second round coming out. But on top of that, we don't have businesses open to spend them at. That's why the first couple of places that got to go, and if you're primarily, most of you are in Ohio, so this will hit home just because of the conversation this afternoon, he opened up the hospitals and procedures first. So now you can go get your wisdom teeth pulled or go get your Botox if you have migraines, et cetera. You can go do those things because as long as you're not staying a day in the hospital, you're fine. Then the next stage in 14 days is going to be the opening of like service industry retail. That's it. And everybody has to wear a mask. If you don't wear a mask in the state of Ohio into a restaurant or not a restaurant, like a, a retail store like Walmart, you can't shop there. They can kick you out. So again, it's one of those moments where if we start seeing things going in the right direction, yeah, we might see some time. But as far as I know, there's going to be states that aren't opening until June. And if they don't open until June, then you're looking at a possibility of, again, the NBA is not coming back this season. It's far-fetched that I see them coming back. But nonetheless, they're making moves to get these players out of their houses. Like in the Boston situation, Jason Tatum hasn't seen a basketball since the lockout. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I think the thing we have to watch, too, and if I can go on a little bit of a medical tangent for a second, is kind of not – we're going to see a spike in cases. Like that's going to happen when you're reopening because more people are going out. It's just going to happen. Like, and yeah. again, this is not going anywhere. It's, it's going to be around, and it's not going to die because you've mentioned it before. It's not a flu. It's SARS pretty much. So it's not going anywhere. Like it's going to be here. For it's however long it takes, yeah, yeah, until yeah get, it's until we get a vaccine, get a vaccine for vaccine it, and, and, and even then, people don't trust the vaccines now. So it's it's going to take a while. But um, the case numbers are going to go up. The key is going to be to see if the deaths stay down, they continue to stay level, or start to fall off. That's going to be a big plus. Also, hospital admissions, ICU, that kind of stuff. That's going to be big as far as what to look for once these things start happening. And this is, I think. Again, as far as Ohio is concerned, it's where we are. It's where we're located. It's where we record all that stuff. Uh, the governor there is Mike DeWine. I mean, he's done a pretty damn good job as far as, like, hey, acquiescing to some needs to reopen some stuff, but also we're going to watch this because the last thing we want yeah, to do is to say. This is his opportunity. And this he's right in the age group, too. He's, he's right in the age yeah, group because he's in his 70s and he's and white. So as there you go. Much, I hate the rest of them that look like him. So <laughs> nonetheless, he almost fits perfectly in. And I'll tell you, it comes down to exactly what you say. Like, he's a very conservative guy. So, in Ohio, we're going to see way less team opening than uh, Jimmy Buffett down in, in Georgia. I don't even know who the fuck their, their, uh, their governor is. He's Brian Kemp like, or uh, something like that? Or, no, yeah. yeah, wasting away in Margaritaville, Jimmy Buffett said. So, um, that's what they're doing right now. Nonetheless, again, it's just going to come down to how many deaths there are. And, and that's important. Just think about it, guys. If we ask you to fill up a stadium during preseason, which God knows that doesn't happen in, in Cleveland, but – or we ask you to fill out the, the Cavaliers, uh, go down to the queue or Rocket Fieldhouse, whatever the fuck its name is at this point. We ask you to go down there. We know you guys aren't feeling it right now as it is, but 
when we open everything up right away, people are going to want to go to those places because if they want out of the house, so things are going to be way more packed than usual. But yes, Kyle's right. We're going to see a huge, huge onslaught of cases, and people are going to go, oh, fuck, here it comes. We shouldn't have left the house. It's going to scare some people. But the question hasn't been stated anymore of, are people going to die? We know we're going to see an increase. It's that maybe the, the severity rate of mortality uh, was a harder play than what it should have been, which is correct. We're learning that it's killing less. But there's still possibility. If it kills like a and infects people quicker, you don't want that around. So you have to stay back. But if it's not killing people as aggressively as we think it is, it'll be fine. Right now in the state of Ohio, I know we're close to 800 deaths. We're over 17 or 16 or 17,000 in cases. And we don't have many recovered. That's the thing. Like, a lot of people are like, well, we have like 4,000 people recovered. Do the math, man. I mean, it's as simple as looking at the math when you go look at the worldwide cases. People are like, wow, we've had 300,000 people recovered from coronavirus. But we have 1.5 million people that had it. So, again, it's... it comes down to what, yeah. what we have to look at. If there's more people being infected than people recovering, they can't take that risk. It's one of those things, too, where I saw the stats, and a lot of people are throwing out studies from like uh, from Sweden and like Norway and those places where they didn't do a lot of, they didn't shut anything down. They just, they, they practiced, you know, distancing as far as, you know, public and stuff like that and, you know, kind of, you know, making sure you sanitize, keep certain amounts of distances away, the kind of light social distancing per se, but they didn't close anything down. And the thing they noticed was, again, sev- like a severe number of cases but very minimal deaths. So it kind of, again, their healthcare systems probably are a little bit better, all things considered, than maybe what we're yeah, doing. Yeah, it's almost, and, and not to give you a rebuttal on it, but it's almost unfair to compare the two because of how small places like Sweden yeah. are. The United States is so vast. We travel more than any other country. That's why we have the most cars. You get people that come over from Europe are like, you guys want to take a train everywhere? No, it's because everybody owns a fucking car. But I will so say this. Like a place, Sweden, yeah. Small, like the side yeah. of North Dakota. Yeah, well, a place you know? like that, well, they got, what, I think Sweden, I think, has like 10, 11 million people. Uh, Norway has like six or seven. It's kind, of, it's kind of, but again, it's densely populated areas in those in those countries because there's not a lot of cities. Like it's it's you know there's only certain parts of the country that are really populated per se. A lot of it's a lot of nature and you know they a lot of stuff tend too, to be so. a little bit more separated though. Just from like his being in my background for marketing and stuff like that. When you start looking at demographics of other countries, they're they're extremely smaller, but they also live very separate compared to us. The United States is almost underdeveloped when it comes down to living quarters. Our standard of living is a lot worse. Oh, God, country, New York is awful. Is how high we are. And that's and that's the thing. When you go over to Sweden, Norway, and places like that, they have one of the highest standards of living in the world. Canada was ranked the highest standard of living in the world. We saw how far those people live apart. There's a couple of places like Toronto or something, but you have to remember what Kyle is saying is correct. They only have a couple of, they only have a couple of big cities, so it is cramped in those areas. But there's so much land after that. So there's a lot of people staying safe because, A, their apartment standards are a lot higher than ours in their socialistic yeah. country. Um, they also are the cleanest. They have one of the best healthcare systems in the world. They're one of those places that allow two-year paternity leave. So mom and dad get to have two years off when their child is born. They take care of that stuff for you. You get covered with socialistic um, healthcare, which is universal. Again, that's not for everybody. So I'm not over here trying to make it sound like a euphoria. It, it, it's not. Again, they, they face different reasons that kind of cause other areas to falter, such as what we saw with Italy. Italy went through military triage, which basically means if you're 80 years or older, since everyone's on the same socialistic health care, you're going to die. Like, we're going to let 80-year-old people die because we have to take care of the young. And again, that goes into the benefit of many. We have to sacrifice a few events, and that's constitutional even to what we stand by. But again, we're more a capitalistic society where... Um, 
whoever has the best health care coverage is going to live the longest. So if a 17-year-old comes in with no health insurance and an 85-year-old man with premium insurance comes in, he's going to be seen first before that child. Now, again, that constitutes a lot of different things in people's feelings. A lot of people are like, well, for the people, we want everybody to do well. I'll tell you right now, and how this stuff has gone on and become more of a libertarian than anything, and again, not trying to turn this into politics or science, it's just the last thing we should be concerning ourselves with right now is where the fuck sports. And I know that's a really good coping mechanism for some of you with your anxiety and stuff like that, so maybe this is supposed to be helping during this time. There's other sports still going on. Watch cornhole tournaments, do something. I mean, you can even go buy a fucking Xbox and just send a $1,200 check, spend it at a local game store, and plug it up and play some 2K. Do something. You got to get your mind off of it. That's what you got to do. But the last thing we want to see is athletes body on the line every day to play sport in the first place to get sick to entertain us. I hear you, man. And, uh, you know, we're going to wrap up the quick hits with uh, with this one, a much lighter note. Uh, Chase Young says he will grow more. No, he he, he, he literally thinks he's going to grow more, like inches wise. He thinks he is he will grow more. I mean, there's a total possibility. There's been a couple of guys that came into that like in the, I mean it's hard, no I would say it this way. He could grow more, but I'm thinking of people in the NBA where like they come in at eighteen years old and they're like six five and they grow up to be like six eight because they're eighteen and I forget Scotty Pippen comes, like what, twenty one, twenty two? Scotty Pippen in college when he went there, when he got recruited, he was six one, and then by the time he was a sophomore, he was like six yeah. nine. Scotty Pippen, you could talk about, but the number one is Anthony Davis. His, yeah, his what sophomore year of high school, he was six one, and, and when he left, when he left, he played for Kentucky. When he left Kentucky, he was six ten or six eleven, and now he's solidified seven foot. Yeah, so there you go. Chase Young thinks he's going to grow more. So I'm gonna grow more. Did he stand in the mirror like? Or did he stand in the? Did he stand right in the middle of the combine with just him in his underwear like a little boy? Like, Mommy, I'm going to grow more. You'll grow like more. That. Is that what he did? <laughs> no, I'm going to grow more. <laughs> oh, all man. Right, eat your broccoli. All right, guys. Uh, all vegetables aside, I think that could wrap it up for us. Uh, again, a great episode here. Episode 59 of the AK Swish Podcast in the books. A reminder, guys, again, follow us on Facebook, AK Swish Podcast, in that search bar. Head over to Twitter, at AK Swish Pod. Same thing, at AK Swish Pod on Instagram. We share stories. We do all kinds of cool stuff uh, on all three platforms. So make sure you take a look, take a listen, of course. Go back to the archives. Check out all of our old episodes. We've got plenty of them. Now we're almost at 60, I guess, technical episodes, including mini-sodes and all the interviews and stuff, too. We're probably... We're almost upwards. at episode Andrew. That was my senior year number, 60. That's what it'll be called. Yeah, we're, we're almost there. I think we're, we're kind of either there or we're rapidly approaching to the one-year uh, anniversary. Yeah, this is episode 60. I'm going to be disappointed in myself for not knowing that. <laughs> Sorry, I hated that Disney number. That's next week. they got to wait for the uh, the Andrew Frederick High School football number episode. So until that point, uh, thank you guys so much for tuning in and listening. Andrew, man, say one last thing to the people. Uh, what I cooked for you guys today was a rigatoni in a butter and a grapefruit oil sauce with a nice sauteed yellow peppers, I think I used, onion with some Parmesan cheese and some cayenne, cayenne pepper sauce. There you go. That's what I made. <laughs> what I cooked for you is a Walmart original. All right. Uh... <laughs> Walmart original. <laughs> All right, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. We'll catch you next time. Bye-bye.